Thank you for choosing to connect with North Collins Wesleyan Church. We are a church of all ages that is passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our congregation enjoys worship, fellowship, discipleship, and community outreach. Our worship services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. found in North Collins, New York. The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Justin Leininger. Again, thank you for joining with us, and we hope you enjoy. When I was in college, a group of my friends and I would regularly go to one of our friends' cabins. Their family had a cabin on a lake in New Hampshire, and we would, we would go there. And I didn't know it at the time, but through the moments of fun and all the experiences that we would have, I was creating a lot of memories that I was going to share in sermons, believe it or not. And I didn't know that at the time, but we had a lot of fun and meaningful and interesting experiences. A lot happened at that cabin. You've maybe heard me talk about it before, but often they had this pontoon boat that we often love to take and cruise around in the lake. Of course, because there's nothing like a bunch of guys on a pontoon boat that looks super cool, right? Like just looks super, super cool. Pontoon boats are, are known for that. And so we would do that and we would have a lot of fun experiences. On one such trip, as we were drifting out in the middle of the lake, one friend and I decided to jump in the lake. And the other, my other friends didn't join us because obviously it was, it was cold, it was, the lake looked nice, but it wasn't maybe the greatest idea. But I'm always up for a challenge, so I thought, yeah, let's jump in this lake and have some fun. And so while my friend and I were swimming around, well, our friends had an idea. And I don't know about you, but, or what kind of friends you have, but friends can always be fun, right? I, that's what I find friends to be. Friends are supposed to be, and we know this, friends are supposed to be like loyal. They're supposed to have our backs. They're supposed to support us and be with us. But we also know that friends and good friends can sometimes be the ones who want to mess with our minds a little bit and play tricks on us when they can. And in this case, that is what our friends decided to do because while we were there in the middle of the lake swimming around, they decided this would be a good time to take off in the pontoon boat and just leave us there. And as they continued to go further and further away, I'll be honest, the lake continued to feel deeper and deeper and wider and wider. Now, I had two things going for me, two things on my side. First, I do like to swim, and I'm not great at it, but I'm okay at it, especially just like staying afloat. And so I wasn't super worried about that. And second, I remembered that these were my friends. So predictably, when they got 100 or so feet away, when it was just enough that they knew that they had like scared us good or kind of messed with our brains a good bit, they turned and came back around. I mean, they didn't come close enough where like I still wouldn't have to swim to get to them because, yeah, they were good friends, but they, they at least like stopped and sort of came back our way. And I had little doubt that that would be the case, but I'll be honest with you. There was still a moment or so where I felt like my stomach was in my mouth, right? Where you could taste your stomach, where your lungs are here, where your like, chest feels like it's really expanding, where you can feel your heartbeat because you really looked at the lake and thought, this is deep. And those sides, the land, seems really far away. I've been out with some people from our church on Lake Erie, and it is amazing, right? You ride miles out there to find out where the fish are, I guess, or whatever, to be where the fish are. I feel like the fish are everywhere, right? It's a lake, but, but that's the idea. It's like you go out to where the fish are to catch some, and it feels like it's forever by the time you get out there and in just a little boat. And it doesn't really matter how big the boat is. It can feel really small on that giant lake. In Matthew 14, we find Peter in a place where he must have been feeling some of those exact same things, only probably in an incredibly deeper way than anything that, I'll be honest, I've ever experienced. 
Peter was about to take a step, a step off of a boat into the middle of a lake, and a lake that was roaring with wind, as the, with wind and waves as the weather just crashed in. We know this, if Peter fell into the water between the wind and the waves with the boat in many ways lacking control or ability to maneuver, he would probably disappear in that lake and be gone. But still, in that uncertainty of wind and waves, Peter stepped out of the boat and onto the lake. The purpose of this message series is to ask, what made Peter the rock? Why did Jesus give him that special name? How was he unique? And here we find an incredibly large part of the reason why Peter would be the rock. That reason is, Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. The question there is for is there for all of us. Will we get out of the boat? In witnessing for God, in helping someone in our life, in, in showing love and kindness and grace, and in, in restoring a relationship through forgiveness and through through love, in confronting a temptation that may we may know is destroying our lives, or confronting a temptation in someone else's life that we know is destroying their life, or in, in doing something big to shine Jesus' light as an individual in our family or for us as a church too, right? That impacts our community. Will I Will we get out of the boat? In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, in your pew chair Bibles, if you want to look there, you can. It's found on page 970. In Matthew 14, 22 to 33, we see this incredible moment for Peter. As we look at this moment, let's be challenged by Peter's actions. And even when we see him fail, and we will in, in some very Peter-like fashion, we will see him fail. Even when we see him fail, May we be encouraged by what this means for us and the possibility of our own lives. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. As we look here, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. This is one of the four Gospels that's written about Jesus' life that we have. And so as we're partway through, basically halfway through Matthew, we find Jesus and his disciples. They are kind of in full ministry mode. Jesus is doing miracles. He's healing people, and he's teaching and preaching and sharing. And so we see him in that moment with his disciples. And so Matthew 14, starting with verse 22, this is what it says. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Verse 27 says, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Verse 33 says this, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are. 
the Son of God. We recognize in this world that there are some people who just think differently than the rest of the crowd, right? Some people who who think differently in certain situations, and that is okay. At times we may not understand them, at times we may think they're odd, but it's okay that people think differently than others. In fact, there are those who think differently than the rest of the world. Those are often the people who end up changing the world. Peter was probably one of those guys, right? But, But it's okay, it's interesting. In fact, think about it for a second. To be the first person to see a loaf of bread and to think, what if I cut slices of that, right? And I fill that with delicious stuff and I call it a sandwich. That is genius, right? That is genius. Or to be the first person to think as they're laying in bed and maybe they're reading and they've got lights on and they're like, oh, I've got to crawl out of this bed and turn off the lights. If only I could lay here and I don't know, clap my hands, and the lights would go off. Wouldn't that be amazing? Further genius, right? That is genius. Or to be the first person who was driving in a cold car. This is probably someone in western New York, right? This is probably someone driving in a cold car and think to themselves, what if I, with my body heat, didn't heat the seat, but if the seat magically heated me? That would be amazing, right? And that is, that is genius. That is genius. Twelve guys are in a boat, and they're watching something incredible happen before their eyes. Jesus is walking toward them in a wind and wave storm on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I can't quite grasp what this would look like in real life. Now, I can imagine a lot of things, but I'm not exactly sure what this looks like. Is Jesus walking on the water as if all of the water has now turned to surface. But it would be interesting, right? Because as there's waves, it's like moving surface. So is Jesus like climbing or hiking or, or mountain climbing as he's going over these winds and waves that are, that are changing, but he's walking on the water like it's solid somehow? Or did God create just like an imaginary line that God created across the water that now all of a sudden all of this is solid. And so there's some water moving on top of it, right, from the wind. But, but there's like this solid line of water that to Jesus has just become rock, right? And he's walking across that way. Or is Jesus not even really walking at all? And are the waves just moving him where he wants to go? I mean, if this is happening, why not? Why couldn't that be the case that God is actually just using the water to carry Jesus like he's on an imaginary surfboard or whatever, an invisible surfboard, right, that is just moving Jesus where he needs to be? Or is it kind of like a water parting experience where he's still walking on water, but the the wind and the waves have been moved in front of him, so there is just this clear, flat, wonderful surface of water that Jesus is now walking on. The truth is we don't know. We don't know what this looked like, right? But we know that either way, any of those options or some other God-amazing option that it could be, we know that it was incredible, incredible. Twelve guys are watching Jesus walk on the water. Eleven guys are fascinated by what they see happening. They are transfixed. They are caught in wonder and amazement by what is happening before them. Scripture tells us here they're scared, they're confused, they're confounded. They're all those things that we would rightly be. One guy, probably just as amazed, thinks to himself, if this is happening, what does this mean for me? If Jesus can walk on water, maybe I can too. That person is the rock. That person is Peter. 
Peter. He sees Jesus walking on water and he thinks to himself, I'd like to do that too. This passage tells us the boat is being buffeted by waves. And I had to look that up because when I saw buffeted, I was pretty sure what that meant, that it was like being hit and struck. But there was a little bit of me that wasn't sure and I'm easily distracted and I see buffeted and I think buffet. I'm just being honest with you. My mind went to buffet. I started thinking about Chinese buffet. I was totally off course in my mind, but that's okay. So I had to look up buffeted. Buffeted in the dictionary, it means, literally it means to be struck repeatedly and violently. That's what buffeted mean. It has nothing to do with never-ending chicken wings. I'm sorry, that would have been better, but it doesn't. And so the boat we're, we're seeing here is being battered, battered by wind and waves. The boat they are most likely using had a sail, and that was probably down because of the weather, because it would either destroy the sail or it actually would destroy the boat, and so it would be down. And most likely there would have been four of the disciples manning oars to try to get them across the lake. Now, this is what we understand logistically. With the time that they had out in the water from the night before, they should have actually had time to cross the lake, but they haven't because they've spent the entire night battling that lake. And it is into that mess that Jesus arrives, into that mess that Peter wants to step into. Picture the scene. If he falls in the water, he will be swept away, and we imagine the boat would have little control to come and rescue him. But Peter isn't worried about any of that. Peter is focused on Jesus and what Jesus can do in his life. Peter thought, if Jesus has the power to walk on water, then I want to walk on water. This is the amazing thing we see in Peter. A faith, a courage, and a desire to let his faith be made real in his life. Peter's faith wasn't just something to be believed, to be marveled at. Peter's faith was something to be lived, to be lived. You want to be like Peter the rock? What does that take? It means not just having faith that you believe. It means having faith that you live. Now, there are no stats on this, no way of measuring this. In fact, what I'm about to tell you are stats that I've made up, and I'm being honest about that right from the beginning. I've made up these stats. Don't look them up. Don't try to Google search this or anything like that. This is something that I'm making up, but I think you'll recognize as you are honest with churches and situations and Christians, you'll recognize this is true. We see that 11 out of 12 disciples stayed in the boat. And right now, if I were to take a judge of things, a look at things, I would say this right now, 11 out of 12 Christians are sitting in the boat as well. 11 out of 12 Christians are staring at the wind and the waves of their life. They are transfixed with confusion and fear by what they see in the world, in their life, in reality. They are stuck in the boat. But we have the opportunity in the power of our faith in Jesus Christ to be like Peter, to stand up to step out and to take control of our lives. And Peter said in this passage, he said, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you. I want to encourage you right now to live out your faith in Jesus Christ and take control of your life. We find ourselves so often looking at the wind and the waves of our lives, right? They control us, don't they? And we recognize the power that they have, and we further recognize the power that they have over us. 
Pastor and author John Ortberg, he wrote a book entitled, If You Want to Walk on Water, you have, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And in it, he raises these wonderful questions for all of us to have. And so I encourage you to ask yourself these questions. What are our, what are my wind and waves? What is my boat? What are our boat? What is the comfort zone that we're afraid to leave? And what fear is keeping us stuck in a boat? 11 out of 12 disciples stayed in the boat. So will 11 out of 12 Christians. We recognize this is true too. So will 11 out of 12 churches. They will stay in the boat. Will you, will we, will I get out of the boat? Will I get out of the boat? Now we know that's easier said than done, right? Otherwise, more than one out of 12 of the disciples would have walked on water. And we know this is true, and and we know it's true because we see what happened to Peter, and we recognize we're a lot like him, and that scares us a little bit because we recognize that Peter's water-walking experience it wasn't exactly perfect, was it, right? It wasn't the perfect experience. It wasn't in any way, shape, or form perfect. The dude almost drowned. He almost went under. In fact, it's amazing because Scripture says that Jesus immediately reached out to him, and that's how you know Jesus is better than me, right? Because I, being kind of like my friends, right, would probably have let him, like, sink just a little bit, right? I would have let him just, like, just, like, go a little bit, like, oh, now I got you. Yeah, but no, Jesus, it says, immediately reached out and grabbed him. But Peter was, in many ways, the first distracted driver in the world. And, and we have all seen distracted drivers. And I say we have all seen distracted drivers because I don't want to say that we are all distracted drivers, but probably we are. The worst is when there's an accident or something out on the road, right? And everyone has to slow down, not for safety, but because we have to see what's going on, right? We have to see what's going on and then offer our opinion. Oh, look at that fender bender, kids. That's why you don't McDonald's and drive right there. That's why, right there, because that's what happens. And, and we still do it for other things too, right? When someone gets pulled over by a police officer, oh yeah, we've got to slow down and see who it was, right? We have to do that. Uh, oh, I, I'm not slowing down for safety. I'm slowing down because I'm nosy, because I need to find out who's the sinner, who is it? Yeah, do I know them? Do I need to text them? Yes, we do that, right? We absolutely do. I'll be honest with you, I get distracted by wildlife. That is something that distracts me. Like a good bird flying across, a hawk flying across the road. I'm like, that thing is huge. Look at the talons. Like all of those kinds of things. And if I can defend myself a little bit, I have good reason. Because one time I was driving a car that was hit by a turkey. And I say it that way. I did not hit the turkey. The turkey hit us. The turkey hit us. And if you're worried about the turkey, just recognize there's not a lot of brain in a turkey to hurt. I'm sure it was just fine, right? I'm sure it was just fine. Peter got distracted. Yes, he got distracted. There were some big waves that he was dealing with. He saw all around him and he got distracted. It's, it makes sense to us because who wouldn't get distracted in that moment? Who wouldn't? And we think to ourselves, it's the practical side of us, right? We think to ourselves, well, if Peter had just stayed in the boat where he belonged, none of this would have happened, right? If he had stayed in the boat, he wouldn't have anything to worry about, nothing to fear. He was safe in the boat. He would be safe and dry in the boat. But we also know that if he had stayed in the boat, he wouldn't have become one of the two people in existence to walk on water. And he wouldn't have been the Peter that became a part of God's plan to change the world. We're humans and we often fall. We often fail. 
I want you to hear and know that that is okay. If you failed in your past, if you've fallen, if you've made mistakes, if life hasn't gone perfectly the way it was supposed to be, understand that it's okay and that that is no reason to stay stuck in a boat. If you need help and encouragement in getting out of the boat, let me give you three quick reasons why we should all get out of the boat. First, first reason is because when we place our lives in Jesus' hands, we change and we grow. What impacts who we are more than anything else? Taking a real step of faith for Jesus Christ. Placing our lives in his hands. If we don't give Jesus a chance to defeat the wind and the waves in our lives, then we'll never get beyond them. The wind and the waves will always be there, always stopping us. But when we trust him, our faith grows, our strength grows in him, and we can prevail over the storm. This week I was encouraged in my devotions because I, I, I got a quote, and I'm going to share it with you, that, that had me thinking about life very differently. It's something I've known, but it was never quite put into words like this. It just meant something incredible to me. This is what they are. Paul David Tripp, in his devotional book, New Morning Mercies, he said this. He said, you and I don't need to be rescued only from the idols around us. No, we need to be rescued from our idolatrous hearts. To me, that is so true. See, I I find when I look around the world, and even as a Christian, I find myself asking God these thoughts. I say, God, um, take away the hurts that pull me down. Take away the temptations around me. God, make the lustful things in the world be removed from before me. Provide me, God, with the finances so I don't have to worry about struggles. Provide me with the resources so that I don't have any fears or any stresses. God, provide for me. But we recognize this truth in this fallen world. Hurts will be there. People have free will and they will hurt us. We recognize that temptations like lust are all around us and in our culture, they are only growing, right? And we further recognize that the worry over things like finances, those will often appear in life. But when we step out in the wind and the waves, it's not that they go away but that Jesus can change our hearts so that in him we can overcome. I would love to remove all the temptations from my life, and I'll be honest with you, there are times where I have to make decisions to remove certain things from my life, but wouldn't it be better if my heart was strong enough to cast aside the temptation? With Jesus Christ, it can. With Jesus Christ, it can. Second thought is this, yes, in a storm we may fail. We will probably fall. But when we step into the storm knowing that if we fail, if we fall, we step into that storm knowing this, that Jesus will always be there to pick us up. Always be there to pick us up. Yes, we fall. Yes, we fail. But Jesus never fails. He is always there to pick us up and to save us when we're drowning. This passage of scripture is incredible because it gives us this image of Jesus that I encourage you to lock away into your heart and into your mind forever. Lock this image away. That when we're in the worst of the storms in our lives, moments where we feel like we're in over our heads, days where we feel like we're drowning, when the buffeting of life is more than we can handle, it is in those moments that we look up and we see Jesus calmly walking towards us through the storm. He lifts us up, he calms the storm, and he leads us to safety. 
Remember our quote that we often share from Frederick Buchner. This quote that we've shared in other messages and you'll hear it again and again. It is wonderful and it is powerful. Remember this, with Jesus Christ, the worst thing is never the last thing. With Jesus Christ, the worst thing, the worst moment, the worst struggle, it is never the last thing. The stone rolled away from Jesus' grave is proof that the worst moment is never the last moment. Third and finally, why should we step out in the storm? Because of this. Because changed lives change lives. Look around. Our world is filled with miracles that people ignore. Honestly, it is. In today's world, we can brush off a person walking on water, but what cannot be ignored is people whose lives have been changed because of Jesus Christ. Think about this for a second. We are amazed at Jesus walking on water. It is an amazing moment, but I have to ask myself, is my life changed because of it? I would like to think it is. I am amazed by it. I believe in it, but I I wonder if it has changed. I don't know, but this I do know. Peter, because he stepped out of the boat, because his faith was tested and his heart was changed, countless lives because of that step have been changed because of his walk, his words, his life. I don't know if my life has been changed because of a miracle, but I do know my life has been changed because of individuals who have lived out their faith in Jesus Christ, who have loved me when I don't deserve it, who have watched over me and cared for me when I needed it the most, who have just decided to sacrifice so much in life because of their love for God and their love for others. My life has been changed. Jesus is in the work of changing lives, and his greatest miracles are in our hearts. Changed lives change lives. Now, I imagine right now that Many of us here right now, we are in a boat. And the boat feels safe. It feels safe. We see the wind and the waves around us. Taking a financial risk, a relational risk, a career risk, risk, whatever that step may be, it looks scary. And if we step out of the boat, we don't know what would happen. We don't know what conversations we might need to to have. We don't know what trial or hurt we may face. We don't know what storm we may need to weather or what temptation might step in our path or what temptation or trial or addiction we might, have to, we might have to address in our own lives or in someone else's. The truth is we don't know, but this we do know. Jesus is there. And if we keep our eyes on him, we can conquer the storm. 11 out of 12 Christians may stay inside the boat, but not you. Step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. Right now we recognize that our church is in a boat, right? Right now we are in a boat. We are in a comfortable, safe place. Things are good. Why would we change anything about this? Why would we change this? Why would we risk this? Why? Because we ask ourselves, what could Jesus really do here? And if we can walk on water, what can he do in North Collins and in this greater community? Sure, we recognize the idea of building a building here that would change our ministry 
that would allow us as a church to build our fellowship and discipleship inside our church, that allow us to reach more people in this community, sure, that would be wonderful, but I understand the boat is comfortable, right? And if we decide on that, there are going to be wind and waves, and it is a step and a challenge for our church that isn't just this year. It is years of a challenge. It is years of potential wind and waves, and that is scary, right? It is scary, Those are real, real waves, and that is real wind. But we have the opportunity through our faith in Jesus Christ to not just believe it, but to live it and to shine so brightly the love of Jesus Christ that we change this community. Sure, we have a church that is filled with life and laughter of all ages, but will it always be this way? And could there be more. We know this is true. 11 out of 12 churches, they stay in the boat. And if we're honest and we look around the communities right around us, we see 11 out of 12 churches slowly dying. Why? Because they're staying in that safe, comfortable place inside their boats. Yes, it is scary, but it's time for us to step out of the boat, to step out of the boat. I found my life to be a series of decisions to step out of the boat or not. Accepting the call to ministry, going to college, yes, marrying my wife, Julie, going to work in my first church, probably all big steps out of a boat, and probably the scariest one was actually leaving the comfort and safety that my family had to move here. Every decision had a storm of its own. Yes, my marriage has had its storms, each and every one absolutely and completely worth the step out of the boat. Every single one. Some of the storms that we experienced here were not fun. And some of you have stepped into those storms with us. And for that I say thank you. Thank you. But every time I know this is true, every time we stepped off the boat into those storms, it's not that God made life perfect. And he did not make life perfect. But he has grown us and strengthened us and brought incredible life change. So I ask you, would you join us in stepping out of the boat? Let's pray. Father in heaven, God above, God, I lift up our congregation before us right now. God, this idea of stepping out of the boat, I don't know what it means for them right now in these moments. I don't know what that means, God. God, I recognize that for some individuals right now, God, it's time to step out of the boat in their own walk with you. It's time that their faith became real in their life. And so that might mean being honest with who they are as a Christian at work, with their family, with their friends, taking that step and saying, Jesus is Lord of my life and I'm going to step out of this boat and I'm going to shine his light brightly for the world around me. God, I know for some of us here, stepping out of that boat, that means having a difficult conversation with a family member or a friend. It might mean in their own life addressing an addiction or, or addressing that in someone else's life. It might mean having a difficult conversation. And God, you, we look at the wind and the waves involved in that and it is much easier to not address that. But God, we recognize that we have the faith in you to believe that we can and the meaningful things can happen from that. 
God, I recognize that many of us here, we have family who need us to step out of the boat for them, to live out our faith of love for them. God, let us take that step. God, I pray over our church right now. God, we are a church that, that we recognize we, we want to step out for you. And so, God, we recognize that, that there are going to be wind and there's going to be waves before us. For us to have the opportunity to have a real true impact in this community. For us to create a place where people of all ages have fellowship and have discipleship, have connection and love and care. God, to do that, to be that place, it means stepping out and there will be wind and waves. But God, we recognize that not in our strength, but in your strength, it is possible. And so God, may we step out for you. God, for each and every one of us, whatever is on our heart right now, give us the strength and the drive to make steps for you. We pray this all in Jesus' name, by the power of his blood. Amen.